So what I'm going to start off with, um, and I'm in the same boat as you are, it's not one of the books that I've spent a ton of time learning from and studying, although there is an awful lot of spiritual information that we can learn from it, and uh, this has been a great exercise for me to try to learn more about about the book. So um, basically, what Ecclesiastes is, it's um, Solomon at the end of his life is reflecting back on his life and all the different things that he did, and he's sharing those things with us. And it's extremely unvarnished. Um, It's extremely honest. You know, he doesn't try to, like many rulers of um, different countries or pharaohs or emperors, in their history, they try to glorify everything about how great they were. But Solomon really doesn't do that. He gives us a very honest picture of his life. And looking back, he sees that some of the things and some of the endeavors that he did were really a waste, a waste of time. And he, he talks about vanity and striving after wind on a lot of his activities that he did. And he uses the term vanity or vanity of vanities 38 times in this book. So it's over and over again he's saying that things that I did um, were, were vain. Um, he, he's looking back and he's saying... I had my years of youth, I had my years of strength, I had my years of usefulness, I had my years of, um, you know, being to do whatever I wanted to do, and now they're starting to, I'm starting to develop all of these infirmities and physical problems, and I can't do the things I used to like to do, and it's all, all that I've done is is kind of pointless. So, um, one of the things, though, with Sundays in July that we like to do is promote books that are really good books. So I brought a book to suggest to you um, to get. Um, It's called Practicing Proverbs. It's by Dr. Richard Mayhew. Uh, Dr. Mayhew was a faculty member at the Master's Seminary for many, many years. He's the co-author of the Biblical Doctrine book, and he has taught on Proverbs for many years. And this book, you should have it on your bookshelf and have it as a reference Because what he does, he takes the Proverbs and he categorizes them and he'll list all the ones that have to do with a particular topic. So it's extremely helpful in finding if there's something you want wisdom on, you can find it very easily. Um, He also has a chapter that explains the Proverbs. There's all kinds of things from the Hebrew that you have to understand to really get the, the way that the Proverbs are written. But also in chapter one, and that's why I'm bringing it up, he gives a really good summary of the, the book of Ecclesiastes, because in order to understand Solomon, you kind of have to understand the book of Ecclesiastes. And in, the, in his book, um, Dr. Mayhew uh, lists four different things that Solomon did that were kind of running well in his youth and became vanity later on in his life. So the first thing is wisdom. So in 1 Kings 3, God came to to Solomon when he was a young man about to ascend to the throne of Israel and take over for his father, David. And God came to him in a dream and asked him, if I could grant you anything that you want, what do you want? And he didn't say wealth, I want power, um, I want influence. He said, I want what? Wisdom, right. So he said, "I I want wisdom. And this pleased God and gave him tremendous wisdom. Um, there, looking at certain decisions that he made and certain things that he did. At first, things were going really well. But then, as he kind of chronicles in Ecclesiastes, he started to 
get away from God's wisdom and started to be inquisitive about man's knowledge instead of wisdom. So for for a quick for instance, like he said, and I wanted to test whether how much alcohol I could drink and still maintain my, um, my mental uh, acuity before I got drunk, you know, things like that. I mean, it's like, that's not a godly use of your time, you know, things like that. So, I mean, and then he, there's so much in, in Proverbs about the drunkard that he writes about, and then he's doing stuff like that. So, um, so wisdom, he really came up short as far as wisdom as he got older. Um, wealth, he filled Jerusalem with silver, it says, and he did what he was supposed to do, what God had tasked him to do, which was to build the temple, right? David did not build the temple. Solomon was tasked with building the temple. But then Solomon built himself a house that was so amazingly ornate, it took him twice as long to build his house as it did for him to build the temple building. So really, as far as wealth, you know, he didn't really always use that to the maximal benefit of of the Lord. It says that he built parks for himself, a house for himself, planted trees for himself, created ponds so he could water the trees for himself. So um, those are some areas that he he fell short as well. Um, Also women, this was a huge thing, as you know. Um, He started running well. Um, He married the Shulamite, as we see in Song of Solomon. But then, as he got older, it says in... um, 1 Kings 11, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but <clears throat> he, he, he left the wife of his youth, which he does say later on in Ecclesiastes that that's one of the joys of life is living it with the wife of your youth, <clears throat> but he didn't do that. Um, he married 700 women and had 300 concubines. So, um, and some of those marriages were political marriages, one so that he could buy, in a sense, peace with the surrounding nations. And he did exactly the opposite of what God had told him to do and told Israel to do, which was not to intermarry with the other um, tribes and, and peoples around them, and for the purpose that what was going to happen if they did, it would influence them with their false religions. And that is exactly what happened next, which is his worship. So it says that Solomon filled Jerusalem with idols, of all of the detestable idols of all the different nations around them. So, so really, he started running well in a lot of ways. He was worshiping the Lord God. He, um, he built a temple, but then he got distracted in his life. And Ecclesiastes chronicles all of the different things that he has regrets about. So... Um, so really, this, this book, Practicing Proverbs, I would really recommend you get it. You can probably get it at Grace Books International or at one of those extremely large, well-known online booksellers that I won't, that'll go nameless um, for less than $12. I, I looked it up. So it's quite a deal. So, so um, today, um, we're going to, um, to look at... Solomon's take on aging a little bit, and then talk about some things that we can do to to be effective. So one thing is we're all aging. Um, Obviously, this is an undeniable fact of life. Uh, Nobody can escape it, even from the day that we're born. And um, basically, as I mentioned, Ecclesiastes is Solomon's memoir of his his aging and um, how he lived his life. 
Um, it's inevitable, but we will find out not particularly enjoyable. Um, <clears throat> I had a patient a few years ago. He came in for a physical, and he told me, he said, you know, Doc, at my age, the check engine light goes on all the time. So um, that's kind of the way it is. You know, every day you wake up and something new hurts, and that's just the way it is. And um, one other thing about Solomon that fascinates me personally is he was the first geriatrician. Um, geriatrics is the study and medical practice concerning those who are aging. So actually, at the University of Southern California, there is a gerontology center where for a really long time they have been studying the normal effects of aging, you know, despite not necessarily diseases, but just what happens to people as they age. And Solomon does an unbelievable job of chronicling all these different things. In fact, if you took all of the subjects that we're going to cover today, each one could be a different chapter in a geriatrics textbook. It is so, so detailed, and he does such a, such a great job. So, but there really, there's only one way to really forestall aging. And Snoopy has found it. Beauty tips, how to look younger, don't be born so soon. Um, I try to tell people this when they come in, and they'll come in for a physical and something new is wrong, and so they're getting older, and they'll say, Doc, this is ridiculous. You know, I have my knee hurts. It's ridiculous. I'm like, no, it's not ridiculous, <laughs> but I can't tell you why. I'm not allowed to tell you you're getting older because nobody wants to hear that. Um, but the world is obsessed with exactly this that I have on the screen right now. Is um, I looked like last year, I read the statistic that $58.5 billion were spent worldwide, even during the COVID, COVID uh, epidemic, um, pandemic, um, in order to, to look younger or to feel younger. So things for your memory, pills for your memory, um, pills for your knees, pills for your muscles, um, treatments for your skin, anti-aging this, um, plumping that, Botox, you, know, you name it, you know, trying to look younger. Uh, uh, plastic surgery, you name it. So, but again, really, um, none of it really ultimately works. You know, we continue to age regardless. So let's turn to our passage, um, which is Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And just looking at our big idea today, fortunately, at the end of the chapter, um, Solomon came to his senses, in a sense, after all his years of folly and, and um, pagan worship and things that he fell into, um, he says in, in verse 12, the conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. So this is really our goal in living is, is to glorify the Lord and um, not necessarily to feel young all the time. So going to our passage, let's start with... Um, Ecclesiastes 12, we'll start in verse 1. And this is to those of you who are less than 50 in the room. Um, it says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. So that is kind of most people's take on aging, um, is that, um, that they are... Uh, not delightful, to say the least. Um, they are difficult. They are not. They are hard. Um, things keep going wrong physically. Uh, we aren't able to do the things that we were able to do when we were younger. And so, um, 
You know, he starts off this passage well, remembering our Creator in the days of our youth, which is what he did. Unfortunately, he got away from that. Um, And so looking at verse 2, it says, Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened, and clouds return after the rain. And this is kind of the idea that um, your senior years are kind of like dark clouds. And normally, so in other words, trouble And normally what happens, what happens after it rains here in Southern California? Yeah, the the grass grows short for a short time. That's a good observation. But usually the clouds go away and the sun comes out and it's sunny and beautiful again. But guess what Solomon says about aging? The clouds just keep on coming back. They never go away. So it's always something going wrong with us. So... So getting into, now we're going to get into the geriatric textbook of Solomon. So we're going to start with, in the days that the watchman of the house trembles. So I looked up the word in Hebrew for watchman, and basically it means the protector or the guardian. And um, to me, that is kind of like our hands and arms. So if a person's in a boxing match, what do they do? They use their hands to block. Um, if they're in an MMA fight, they, they do things to block the blows of their opponent. And, in the co- and for us, if we're falling, we put our hand out to stop our fall, or if something's being thrown at us, you know, we use our hands to block and to protect ourselves. So one of the diseases that causes um, uh, tremor or trembling is a thing called Parkinson's disease you may have heard of. And it's named after um, a British neurologist who, who described it. And it usually starts as what's called a resting tremor. So the person may notice that on one of their hands, they're having what's called a pill-rolling tremor, like that. You may have seen that. People do this. And it's involuntary. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, It's usually a progressive condition where it'll then go to the opposite side. Sometimes people will feel like they're trembling on the inside, even when they're not trembling on the outside. Um, They'll start doing things. It's a movement disorder, so people will start, when they try to write something, Uh, Normally, it'll be like scribbles, so they get what we call micrographia, where they write really tiny, small to try to control their their writing. Uh, Walking, uh, if they try to walk normally, uh, they're they're tremored, they're off balance, so they have like a shuffling gait that's kind of like like this, kind of a shuffling gait. Uh, Sometimes, uh, as as the disease progresses, because it is progressive, um, they will not smile very much. And the reason for that is, when they smile, they will, because they can't, their muscle contractions aren't controlled, they will grimace and so, instead of smiling, so they learn not to smile. Um, and then eventually, um, sometimes wind up in a wheelchair and eventually, um, sometimes even having dementia at the end of their lives occasionally. Um, the basis of this, there's a part of the brain called the substantia nigra that is in the, brain, in the basal ganglia of the brain that contains the stuff called dopamine, uh, dopamine starts to decrease. Um, it, it, it helps oppose movements so that, like when I hold my hand out here, I'm not, you know, I'm not tremoring because there's a balance between the muscles here, um, and, but that is lost in this condition, especially as it progresses. And actually, there's pills that have dopamine that help to mitigate some of these symptoms for a while. Ultimately, though, they, they kind of stop working. The hope is with research that eventually we'll be able to get cells 
that make dopamine that we can actually implant in people, and it'll, it'll take the place of that which is now degenerated and kind of reverse it. So there is act, super active research for a long time on that, and hopefully someday that'll be available. But Solomon was noticing that the, the watchmen of the house tremble. Another thing is called a benign essential tremor. Um, the thing about that, that's the person that might go to grab their coffee and, you know, is kind of spilling it a little bit. But the thing about that is it does not progress, and none of the other things I told you occur. So it's just, that's why they call it benign, because it doesn't progress. Um, another thing that you can have is a thing called cerebellar degeneration. So do, do a stroke or um, an autoimmune disease or a tumor. Um, the cerebellum, which is in the back part of the brain, it's responsible for balance and also for movement. And so people that have degeneration of that, they have a different type of a tremor. <clears throat> Instead of having a, a resting tremor like in Parkinson's, they have an intention tremor. So they're fine until they go to reach for something, and then they start having a, having a rough time. So that's one of the ways that we can, we can differentiate clinically um, these things. So the watchmen of the house tremble. Um, mighty men stoop. So we're going to talk a little bit about osteoarthritis of the spine, spinal stenosis, osteoporosis, and ankylosing spondylitis. <clears throat> now, unfortunately, uh, I have two screens, <laughs> and I was going to be using a pointer. So I'm going to go in the middle and point it out for each of you separately. Okay, so, so this, is, this is the spine here. Let's see. You can see it there. It doesn't see it that great on the screen, unfortunately. Um, but anyway, I'll just point it out for you, and then I'll walk over and point it out again. Um, so these are normal disc spaces here. And you can see down here in the lower lumbar, they're being lost, and it's compressing on the spinal nerves as they're coming out, causing a lot of pain. Also, these are what are called facet joints that are in between the, um, the vertebra, and they can get arthritic and, uh, and hypertrophy and also push on the nerves. So here's the normal disc, the compressed disc, um, the um, facet joints that are now calcified and um, kind of compressing here on the nerve. <clears throat> and if that gets... Um, severe enough, it starts to actually impinge on the spinal cord, and the person can have quite a few symptoms going down their legs and such, and usually will get checked out for um, possible surgery to help rectify that. Um, the next thing I was going to show you is osteoporosis. So these are vertebral bodies that should be very white because the x-rays are not getting through them because they're very dense. And this is very light-colored, so the person has lost bone density. Um, there is treatment for that, medications and such. And um, this one here is something called ankylosing spondylitis that after I point it out on this side, I'll tell you about. So this is the osteoporotic... Um, um, vertebral body, and then this is the ankylosing spondylitis. Ankylosing spondylitis, um, it is a, it's a genetic disease. Usually it's, it's um, seen in, in, in uh, teenagers, actually. It starts to come on. People will have pain, start getting stiffness and pain in their spine, and there's a genetic test for it. And what happens is their spine will continually um, become calcified and will, will um, uh, fuse. So people back in the day, um, I actually saw a case of this when I was in, um, in my residency 30 years ago, <clears throat> and um, this person had chosen to fuse sitting down. So he was kind of at an angle like that, sitting in a, in a chair, kind of leaning, and he could push himself around by his feet in his wheelchair, 
um, kind of fusing standing up is not a whole lot of fun. You never get to sit down for your whole life, so that's no fun. But, um, but anyway, now there are me- there's medication that's been used for um, different types of other rheumatologic conditions, like psoriatic arthritis and things you may see on TV. Um, but they can be used and actually are impacting this uh, for, the, for the better so that people don't have to go through that anymore. So it's really good. And osteoporosis, there's medication that's helpful for that as well. But yeah, Solomon, um, oste- severe osteoporosis, you've probably seen people that are, you know, that are older that are like this with the cane. Um, and and that's, very, that's very common, and it's due to, to these type of conditions. And the grinding ones stand idle because they are few. Okay, this is pretty self-explanatory. Um, uh, the teeth, so the grinding ones are few. So be sure to brush, floss, and see your dentist regularly. <laughs> very important. Um, we have one of our, uh, the men in our... Um, um, men's ministry is a dentist, and he's very passionate about this. He has a whole PowerPoint on how to take care of your teeth and everything. But, um, and it's very common, I'm sure, in, in Solomon's day, when she lost, the only thing dentists did was pull teeth. Back in those days, there was nothing else to do. Um, and just a word about our, the father of our country, George Washington, he actually had a very primitive set of dentures because he was, he'd had to speak often, and he didn't want to be you know, gumming his words, so he, as opposed to now where you have implants and all kinds of things, you can get your teeth fixed, but um, he had this metal cage with wooden teeth that were painted white in it, and he would wear that when he had to speak, and I guess it was excruciatingly painful, so he put up with a lot in order to give speeches, so, so the grinding ones are, stand idle because they are few. And those who look through windows grow dim. So, again, this is like the, the, the um, concept of a window that keeps getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier, and pretty soon it's very um, indistinct, and you can't really make out anything as you look outside of it. And that would be um, what we would see today in cataracts. In fact, um, <laughs> I already had somebody this morning uh, tell me that they were going to have cataract surgery. And how many of you have had it done already? Anybody? Yeah, see, it's, it's really common. Um, apparently, I have a little one in my right eye that eventually, someday, I'll probably have to get taken care of. But um, basically, what cataracts are, and here's one that I wish I had one screen instead of two. But, um, but anyway, cataracts, it's the lens of the eye here. It's normally crystal clear, allowing image, images through to the back of the eye, where the retina, which are photoreceptors that go to the brain and allow your brain to interpret the things that you are seeing. If this is not enough to make you believe in God, I do not know what else is. The, I mean, it is so complicated how these receptors are set up and they inhibit each other and they, they um, interact with each other. And then the brain, the occipital cortex of your brain has to interpret the whole thing. So I can look out the, around the room and I recognize so many of your, you know, all of your faces, but you know, if, if it wasn't for the miracle of, of sight, you know, that would not be possible. So, again, so the, the lens of the eye becomes opaque as we get older, and we have to have it, um, <clears throat> or again, if we have the opportunity, we can have it replaced. And you get immediately improved vision, which is wonderful. Um, another thing that you can get is something called macular degeneration. So, in the eye, at the back of the eye... Um, God has placed an incredibly um, 
large amount of photoreceptors in one spot. So uh, it's, it's on the back of the retina. And what it does is when you fix your gaze on something with central vision, you're looking at somebody or reading something, looking directly at it, the light focuses particularly on that area. And so you get the most crystal clear vision. Anything outside of that, you can still see, but it looks, it's, it's less distinct because you have less, um, less of these photoreceptors. So here's the macula. Um, there's a thing called macular degeneration where that red dot that actually, if I take a thing called an ophthalmoscope and look into the back of your eye, I can actually see that red dot. Um, but if it starts to go away, then your central vision begins to diminish. And there are vitamins that you can take that your ophthalmologist can prescribe for you. So here's where the macula, this red dot, is no longer there. <clears throat> Another thing um, that people get is glaucoma. So I had somebody this morning tell me, hey, I have a glaucoma and a cataract. So he's illustrating two of the things from this, from this talk. Um, <clears throat> so there, there's a thing called the anterior chamber of the eye, and there's um, some things called ciliary bodies that produce liquid, um, that help lubricate, but it can get blocked or increase the amount that's being produced, which puts pressure on the retina and so that you can't see very well. Um, from that increased pressure, you get less blood flow and so on. So it's kind of in this front part of the eye. <clears throat> and there are eye drops that you can get um, that will really help mitigate that and really help treat that nowadays. But in Solomon's day, you would just... Lose your vision. And the doors of the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. So this, again, is speaking about losing your teeth. Um, people that didn't have teeth back in those days would just, it'd just be like if you're in a hotel or, a, um, or an apartment building where all of the doors open into a single hallway. Um, well, the streets of Jerusalem were a lot like that. And so Basically, they'd all be shut. So he's talking about how people with no teeth don't talk very much, and they kind of look like this gentleman here. So in verse 4, the grinding mill is low. The doors are shut. <clears throat> and one will arise at the sound of a bird. So one thing that we found out from geriatric and gerontology research is that as we age, we don't sleep as much. It is natural. It's what happens. Um, the teenager who will sleep till noon, that is not going to be you anymore <laughs> uh, as, we, as we age. So a big problem is insomnia, which is, and Solomon's noticing that even the slightest little noise would wake him up and then he'd be awake, you know, for hours. Um, but insomnia is a huge problem and a lot of people want treatment for it. Um, the ironic thing is a lot of the medicines that help treat insomnia um, can make you drowsy even the next day, which can then make you trip and fall. So as a physician, I'm not supposed to prescribe that for you. But you need it more than anybody else. So it's kind of a frustrating type of thing. Um, there are some things like melatonin that are like non-prescription that you can take that can be helpful um, for insomnia. But one will rise at the sound of a bird. <clears throat> and all the daughters of song will sing softly. So now we're talking about what? Yeah, um, the hearing. So um, a big problem is I didn't really put a picture of this uh, here, which shows the, um, the hearing apparatus. Um, it's, it also is enough reason to believe in God. It is so complex why we can 
you know, tell the difference between the sound of a piccolo and our spouse's voice and a siren driving down Roscoe and all that kind of stuff and determine all those things. It's just miraculous. But, but anyway, one of the most common things is we start to, some of the nerve, the, the nerves start to go in our, in our um, hearing apparatus. And usually the first thing to go is the higher pitched sound. So I remember, and this, this happens early. This happens like when you're 40. Um, I have a friend um, who my daughter and her friend, many years ago, before there were smartphones, they had dumb phones, and they had phones that they could make a, um, excuse me, they, they could make a ringtone that <clears throat> their parents couldn't hear. So they did an experiment. They were driving home from school, and they, they, they called each other, and they say, hey, Dad, could you hear that? And he said, hear what? So uh, it's kind of like the dog whistle. The dog can hear it, but we can't. Um, another simple thing that we can fix, knowing there's hearing aids and everything for that, um, um, just having earwax in there, if we can sometimes watch that out, and you get immediate relief. So, um, so my friend in South Africa, he's a missionary, he has this... Um, in his uh, office. So it says, my wife said I never listen. At least that's what I think she said. So, so ladies, we're not ignoring you. We just can't hear you. Um, and, and okay, wasn't that enough? No. Furthermore, in verse 5, there's more. Um, men are afraid of a high place. So um, one thing that can happen is nerve damage in the feet from diabetes, which is very common. Um, there's certain vitamin deficiencies that can cause your feet so that you can't tell, um, you don't get feedback to your brain um, how you're standing so you can get off balance. So going up on ladders, guys, to clean the gutters, bad idea. Trim the tree, your, get, don't trim the tree yourself if you're getting up on a ladder. It's a real bad idea. It's going to wind up in broken bones probably. Um, strokes can, can make, it, make you afraid of a high place as well because you'd be off balance um, inner ear degeneration, there's something called Meniere's disease where you lose your hearing and balance. Uh, the room starts spinning all the time. Uh, that's a really troubling thing. And again, I talked about cerebellar de- degeneration, which has to do with that tremor, but also it could make you fall. Um, one of the ways we can tell if a person has a brain tumor on one side or the other of their celebra- cerebellum is they're relying on their vision to keep their balance. As soon as you take away their vision, they can't feel their feet, and they will fall to the side of the lesion. So you just have them close their eyes, and boom, they fall. So don't try that to your friends at home. Um, so men are afraid of a high place. And of terrors on the road. So um, tripping and falling. So not only up on a ladder high, you can be down low and still have problems. So fear of tripping and falling due to difficulty with walking um, one of the biggest culprits is the loose rug on a, on a, on a slick surface. Elderly people, shoom, bam, and they fall. Very common. Um, uneven, uneven pavement. You know, watch out if you're walking on a, on a, um, on a street. If there's, if there's a root from a tree, it'll push up one of the segments of the sidewalk, and you can trip over that. One thing I didn't put down here is your animals. Very common. People trip over their dogs. Because they're so loyal, they stand next to you and you don't know they're there. And then you're going, whoa, you know, and, and there they were and you trip and fall. And they also will run around you with their leash and they, they, they will um, bind your ankles and, you know, you can go down. So you have to pay attention. So different canes, walkers, wheelchairs, all those things are helpful in preventing um, terrors on the road. And the whole thing about I've fallen and I can't get up. 
<clears throat> you know, it's an old TV commercial. Sometimes it's become kind of people make fun of it, but it's not a laughing matter. I mean, if you live alone and this happens and you don't have any way to get to communication to tell somebody that you've fallen and can't get up, um, you can be there for days. And if you're there for days, you don't have access to water. And you also um, are, are laying on your muscles and your muscles will degenerate, and it will produce this stuff called myoglobin that will, stick, that will gum up your kidneys, and you can go into horrible renal failure, and it's just really awful. So, um, yeah, really pay a lot of attention to that. And if you have a loved one who's at home um, by themselves, make sure you check on them very regularly. Um, this one is self-explanatory. The almond tree blossoms. We're not going to comment on that. Other than... They do sell a lot of hair dye. That is something that does happen. People don't like that. Okay, and then the grasshopper drags himself along. So what Solomon's talking about here is when a grasshopper walks, they appear to almost be like they're limping. But when they go to jump, they, they leap, you know, long distances and are, are very athletic. But when they're walking, those long hinged legs appear like they're, they're limping. And so the, the hips and the knees, they start to go. So these pictures are of um, very severe osteoarthritis of the knees. This person probably needs to have bilateral knee replacements. This area here should be, um, there should be like a, a couple of centimeters, like, um, like maybe five millimeters or more of like a dark space, which is the cartilage. But in this person, it's completely gone. So I'll point that out to you guys as well. So right there, that should be very dark where there's cartilage that the x-ray goes right through and you don't see any of, anything of that. Um, I used to have a patient um, in my practice who's kind of famous. Um, his, name is, his name was Masima Gump. Uh, you know him as Andy, Andy Gump. So Mr. Gump, I, I met him when he was in his, his 80s. And he was my patient for a while until he eventually passed away. I unfortunately had him later in life, not earlier in life, but he was just a delightful man. And um, he was from Oklahoma originally, and he used to come in every once in a while, and he'd say, Doc, I've got a hitch in my get-along. And what he meant was it was time for me to give him a cortisone injection because his, his knee was hurting so badly. Um, but yeah, his knees would have looked like this, but he didn't want surgery, so... But yeah, nowadays we would treat that in a number of different ways. But in Solomon's day, uh, the grasshopper drags himself along. And this one, the caperberry is ineffective. So this is relating to 1 Kings 11 when Solomon said he loved many women. So what happens too is um, desire wanes, and this must have been extremely distressing to a man with a harem. So um, I'm sure Solomon wasn't happy about that at all. And people today aren't either. There's all kinds of... Uh, interest in treatment for that as well. Um, and um, the man, for man, goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the streets. So he's just, he's just looking ahead to the time when um, that his vanity of life is now over and, you know, all the stuff that he did, it doesn't matter anymore. And it doesn't matter to the person who, who dies because who's mourning them because they're not here anymore. Um, for the Christian, you know, we're thrilled about being in the presence of the Lord, and, and funerals have a different flavor for the Christian. Um, uh, you miss the person, but you're re really excited for them because they're seeing Christ face to face. So, um, yeah, but in terms of the mourners going around in the streets, once you're gone, you don't care who's mourning you. 
And, um, you know, in verse 8, you know, Solomon, just going, jumping ahead to verse 8, you know, he says, vanity of vanity, he says the preacher, all is vanity. But going back, there's a little bit more. Uh, going back to verse 6, it says, remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. Uh, a neurosurgeon would tell you if you look at nerves in in the body, in a live person, they have a silvery appearance. So I think he's talking about the spinal cord here. And, and the golden bowl would be the skull, the brain. So stroke, um, like we talked about, we're, I'm going to show you a little bit about stroke. Um, nerve damage peripherally in the feet, like we talked about, Parkinson's disease, head trauma, um, all those things um, can, can affect the nerves. And there's a bunch of other things, too. Those are just a few common things. Um, and just a story about Chick Hearn, the old Laker broadcaster. Um, Chick, nowadays, if people have irregular heartbeat called um, atrial fibrillation, what will happen is um, a blood clot can form in the heart because the heart is not, the atria are not pumping regularly. They're fibrillating. So a little clot can form. It can be as little as the end of a pencil lead, it could be very tiny, but if it breaks free and goes up to the brain, it can cause a, a pretty devastating stroke. In fact, that's kind of what happened with my, my own mom. Um, my dad called me and told me that my, my mom was down. Uh, she'd been taken 911 to the hospital, and I rushed over there uh, to, to be with them. And the first thing I did, I looked up at the monitor on the wall, and sure enough, she was in atrial fibrillation, and I'm sure that's what happened. You know, they didn't know about it, and she wasn't on any blood thinners, and, and that's what happened. But for Chick, he was on, in Encino on his, on his patio and was moving a potted plant, and he had atrial fibrillation, was on a blood thinner, and he fell over and hit his head, bled into his brain, and unfortunately, he passed away from that. So, you know, there's no guarantees things can happen to you. And then also we're going to talk a little bit about Alzheimer's um, disease as well, which also affects the golden bowl. Um, so stroke, um, what happens is if a blood, blood clot forms down low and comes up and it will hit an area of the brain that it's, it's big enough to clog, and then everything beyond that, um, the tissue will die. And so you are left with a, a, a deficiency in your, um, either your motor, your speech, or your sensory um, system. So again, you know, happens down here, comes up, will lodge here, and everything beyond it, <clears throat> you get a, um, a stroke. And so Alzheimer's dementia, humongous problem worldwide, um, five and a half million cases in the U.S. right now. Uh, it's a, a huge economic and psychosocial burden for families as well as a financial burden on the medical system. Um, just, just a really, really super hard thing. Um, and we actually have a ministry to people and families that have Alzheimer's disease. And Rick McLean, one of our pastors, was out on the, the patio helping to try to get people to sign up to help them with the ministry. So later on, we're going to talk about ways that you can serve, but that would be a way that you can serve if you want to call the church and ask for Rick and see if there's some way that you can get involved in that ministry. Um, so Alzheimer's, there's four, the four A's agnosia, amnesia, apraxia, and aphasia. So I want everybody to say that 10 times really fast. Um, no. Uh, so just to explain what they are. They're the four A's. So agnosia. So that's where the person starts having word-finding difficulties. 
and has difficulty naming things. So they'll say things like, or they just won't say anything because they don't know what to say. They don't know what word to, to utilize at that time. Um, or they'll say, well, you know, you know. And, um, and, and you're like, well, no, I don't know. Um, maybe I do know. But, um, and amnesia, that's you just, you forget. Re- it starts with recent events. So early on, people can remember all kinds of details from their past, what their dog was in grade school, where their address was, where they went to school, all those things, but they can't remember what they had for lunch, you know, 15 minutes ago. Um, so that's amnesia, and then eventually it gets, gets worse, and they start forgetting family members and all those things. It becomes really sad and kind of tragic. Um, aphasia, um, or excuse me, apraxia, that's where you're using tools inappropriately, so you forget how to use them, so... Um, you're you know, combing your hair with a fork, you know, that kind of stuff. And then aphasia, eventually you stop talking, speaking less and less and less, and then you know, not really speaking much at all. Um, I had one patient who didn't really speak much at all, and she was 98 years old. I, think she, I haven't seen her for a while, so I don't know if she's still around or not. But she would sing Christmas carols. That she could remember. And so she would come in, especially around Christmas, and she would she'd just be singing Christmas carols, and I would just I would just egg her on, you know, just like that's great, let's hear another one, you know, it was it was so great, so that was so enjoyable. But that was her thing, you know, she could still remember, you know, Christmas carols, which is, uh, you know, she had lost a lot of other memory, but could remember that, which is great. And there is treatment for this early on. There's there's medication that if you have a mild or moderate case, it can help you function better, but it doesn't cure it. They're working on ways to cure. The basis of this is they believe it's an abnormal protein that builds up in the brain. It's called tau protein, and it can form polymers. So it's like Legos. It, it, It clicks together with the next one, the next one, the next one, and it forms these fibrils. And the fibrils build up, and they're called neurofibrillary tangles is the fancy medical name for it. But what it does is it gets in the way of nerves speaking to each other so that you can't form, formulate memories and hold on to them anymore. But there is active, you know, a lot of active research as well as to try to get to the basis of how do we prevent these tau proteins from forming in the brain in the first place. But um, I don't know. In Solomon's day, I don't know how many people... Um, really lived that long, you know, to, to experience this. But this would be something today that would be part of the golden bowl. Um, and the next one, the pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. I'm thinking the pitcher by the well has to do with, um, with um, the urinary system for guys' prostate enlargement, for ladies' bladder dysfunction. And um, the wheel at the cistern is crushed, um, um, the wheel being like a water wheel, so this would be like the heart, you know, moving, you know, water along, moving blood around, along. And um, so one of the things with the, uh, the wheel at the cistern is um, a heart attack, which is very much like a stroke, um, a little bit different. So um, the, uh, the big deal about cholesterol is there are cholesterol plaques that occur in the arteries. Um, normally, they're pretty stable. They'll have like a a fibrous cap on them, but occasionally they can um, get sheared off and then um, platelets will come in there and, and form almost like taking, taking um, gum and sticking it in the artery and everything beyond that dies and you get a, <clears throat> you get a heart attack. 
So this is kind of on this side. So the arteries here, this would be where the plaque would be. Um, it ruptures, the platelets form a plug, and then blood cannot get to the, the heart muscle and it dies. Um, we have a saying in medicine, time is muscle. So that's why we want people to get to, the, to a medical facility as soon as possible when something like this happens, because they can give you different drugs and do angioplasty and things to try to open up that artery before it's too late. Um, we actually do have also, um, what will happen is when in the heart muscle that's damaged, it can release potassium and other things that are irritating to the local muscle and can cause an arrhythmia, which is an irregular heartbeat. If you have the kind that... Um, <clears throat> excuse me. If you have the kind that um, um, lost my train of thought because I drank some water. Um, yeah, yeah. If you so, if you um, have the kind that um, is irreverse it, that that is is reversible, then you can kind of try to reverse it. Um, if if the arrhythmia occurs. Um, that's kind of what kills you, not the blockage. So it's when, when the heart starts to fibrillate and you don't get um, defibrillated or get shocked to get out of that rhythm quickly, um, that's, that's when you, you can die of a heart attack. We actually have these things called AEDs all over campus, um, automated electronic defibrillators. And in case anything happens at Grace Church, the nurse, nursing ministry knows where they are and can go and get them and hopefully... Um, help you if you, this was to happen to you here at church. And then verse 7, uh, ultimately the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. So this is kind of depressing, right? <laughs> it's not a happy list. Uh, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. And so this is the part, though, that I just really want to encourage you. This is the part I really want to talk to you about. The other stuff was, you know, kind of medical and a little depressing. But um, this, is, um, this is the part I really want to get to. So, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's kind of small on my screen, too, so I'm going to get to my notes where it's a little bigger so I can read it better because I can't read it either. Um, okay. Okay, so application. Oh, it happened here. It really bumped ahead, sorry. Okay, so kind of depressing. Um, just have to remember, you know, life is short. It flies by quickly, and we need to, to um, number our days. When we become seniors, there, they say there's three phases. There are the go-go years between 65 and 75, there's the slow-go years between 65 and 75, or 75 and 85, and after 85 are the no-go years. So um, you have to realize where you stand on that spectrum as far as what you can do, because some things you, some things you can do in ministry totally unhindered, but as we age, sometimes there are things that you know, we can't do as easily anymore. Um, you know, I was talking to my friend, he's right there, Bruce Alvord, um, last week, and he, he mentioned something that got me thinking, uh, and I think it's pretty important, and that is examples, looking for examples of godly people. Because he was saying, you know, I grew up in a, in a home where there weren't any Christians, and I don't have a great um, example of how to age well and how to finish well. 
And so I was thinking, boy, that's a great point. And so I kind of started to go through and think of a few examples that I can think of from Scripture and also from, uh, from Grace Community Church. And um, so, you know, thinking about the Apostle Paul and what he wrote, we're going to read it at the end, what he wrote at the end of 2 Timothy, where he was at the end of his life and that he had, um, you know, finished his course and kept the faith and that there was a, count, a crown of, of glory waiting for him. So he's a great example. Um, Peter, you know, he was faithful to the end of his life and to the point of being persecuted and crucified and wanting to be crucified upside down, um, tradition tells us, because he didn't want to be crucified like his Lord. Uh, James, um, the, the half-brother of Jesus, the head of the Jerusalem church, um, he, he was martyred because he would not renounce the faith and, faith and live to the very end of his life um, faithful to the Lord. Um, uh, the Apostle John, you know, he happened to live a long time. He was exiled onto Patmos, and he was into it in his 90s before ultimately, you know, he was martyred as well. Um, Polycarp, which was one of his disciples, he was in the first century after the Apostles, and um, um, he, he lived to be 85, but he would not um, worship the Roman gods, and so he was martyred as well, but he was faithful to the very end. Um, we think about Dorcas in Acts 9, you know, who was mourned because she had made all of these garments for all the ladies because she was faithful to, um, to care for others until the very day of her death. Um, you think about Pastor John. Um, he is as energized and as excited about ministry today as he has ever been in his entire ministry life. And it's just inspiring um, to see, you know, how he's, he is... Refuse, he and Patricia refused to, to give in to, to age at all. Um, another couple, Burton and Dolores Michelson, they were founding members of our church. Uh, Dolores is now 90 and did a, um, a Sundays in July on scripture memory last week and is, and is memorizing Ephesians, which is quite a rebuke to everyone else <laughs> at 90 that she's still doing that. Um, some of you that are newer to the church, you don't know about this person, but there was Mrs. Clint. I don't know how many of you remember Mrs. Clint, uh, Claire Clint. She, um, I think she was either 104 or 106 when she passed away, and she taught Sunday school up until almost the very end. Um, they had to kind of carry her upstairs to her class, but she refused to miss a single day. Um, and um, there's also a couple of ladies that have been working in the nursery like forever, um, my daughter is about to turn 32. She went into the nursery when um, 31 year, more than 31 years ago, and they were Pat and Ina were still working there. They're still working there, and they weren't young back then. So, it's you know they are just absolutely amazing. Um, I have a friend who's a chaplain at the USC Medical Center, who named Phil Manley, that just retired after uh, he's almost 80 and um, carrying a beeper, being woken up at three in the morning, year after year after year. And he finally get handed his beeper over, and they still use him for certain things, and he'll come in, uh, and he's still doing funerals and weddings and other things in, in his you know, retirement. But, um, but yeah, just tremendous um, examples to us all. So figure out what your passion is, um, what, how you're gift, spiritually gifted, Discover what that is, and then be all about it, you know, for your whole life. Um, never give up. Um, maximally engage in the church. Um, don't withdraw if you don't have to. If you can be here, 
I mean, I know there was some reasons for some folks that were older to not be here before, and um, we're thankful for those that are coming back because we miss you. Um, and, um, you know, just pressing on, you know, like, like Paul said in Philippians, I press on to the uh, upward call of the goal of Christ Jesus. You know, we never give up. We forget what went behind. We press on. And um, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, um, you know, we, we do all things to the glory of God. So now on every corner of every street, there's a financial advisor nowadays. They're everywhere. And um, they'll tell you how to invest your 401k plan. Um, I'm going to give you some investment strategies that don't have anything to do necessarily with your money, but have to do with your spiritual life. And this I'm calling the Senior Saints 401k. So you need to invest, and they're all T's. And I did kind of massage some of them to become T's. They don't, they're, not really, they're not really T's, but anyway. Um, so invest total effort in prayer. So, you know, like it says in Ephesians, all prayer at all times in the spirit. Um, All of us can do that. Unless you are an end-stage Alzheimer's patient that can't really think anymore, you can pray. You know, and we have prayer groups here. We have the Monday morning prayer group. There's prayer groups on on, um, Sunday nights before the service. Um, There's all all kinds of opportunities to pray as uh, corporately and also individually. Um, Invest your time volunteering, you know, in ministries here at church and elsewhere. Um, Grace to you. Um, Conferences, you know, Shepherd's Conference is is a big one. Um, the Sunday school needs all kinds of help. The nursery needs tons of help. Um, student ministries needs your wisdom. You know, there's uh, men of the word, everyone's grace. They're just, it just goes on and on and on. The opportunities, just looking at the bulletin every week and looking for opportunities to serve. They're just um, um, a multitude of things here at church. Um, invest your treasure as you're able to. So continue giving. Now, um, might you be, as you get older, on a fixed income? Yes, you will probably be on a fixed income. So, you know, you're not working anymore for money, but um, it's still important to budget out and still continue to give to the Lord. Um, that's, that's something that we are um, required to do. So do what you can, but, but don't, don't not give, even if, it's, even if it's the widow's might. Just do something, because it, it's an expression of your thankfulness to God for how he's blessed you and cared for you. So try to do that. Um, now, this is more of a doctor thing, but invest in trans... Oh, no, excuse me. That's the next one. Um, invest in transferring your wisdom to others who are younger. So your grandchildren, you know, the Sunday school, just anybody that's younger than you, um, transfer your wisdom, the things that you've learned, how God has worked in your life, how God has blessed you, how God has carried you through trials over the years, and share that with somebody else. Um, you know, that's really important. Don't keep it to yourself. Um, you know, keep, keep sharing that. Um, and then transporting, invest in transporting. So that's a doctor thing. I have so many people that will tell me, but doc, I can't go to my subspecialty appointment because I don't drive and there's nobody that can drive me and I can't go. Well, um, if you have gas, if you have a car and you have the knowledge of somebody that needs your help, um, that's a huge ministry. You know, it's just a neighbor or a friend or somebody else in your fellowship group or whatever. If you can help them out by taking them to an appointment or anything, that's huge. You know, there is Uber. There's all these things now. There's taxis, all that. But they're very expensive. And any way we can minister to the body would be really wonderful. And then lastly is uh, invest in taking uh, or delivering meals and encouragement to people that are shut-ins. That's a huge ministry and a huge encouragement to have somebody that really cares enough to be there and to care for, for for that saint. So 
So what happens as we get into the no-go years? You know, we're like the 80, the 80 to 85. Well, you will find yourself in the doctor's office a lot, right, as things go wrong. And so I really would encourage you to see that as a mission field. Now, do I want you to take your entire appointment sharing the gospel with your doctor? <clears throat> no, not a good idea. Um, that's your time to get, get the help that you need. But there are so many people that need Christ. So when you check in the receptionist, the nurse that takes your vital signs, your doctor, the nurse a second time, the receptionist the second time who's making your next appointment, the lab tech, the x-ray tech, the, the person that pushes you in, in the wheelchair, whatever, um, they really need to see a godly attitude that will show them the gospel and give you the credibility when you have an opportunity to say why you are not complaining and angry and upset at your diagnosis, um, how you're trusting God in it, you know, will, will make a huge impact on them. Because they don't, a lot of them, things are changing. They're, they're a microcosm of the rest of society, and the rest of society is extremely secular. So um, don't be surprised. I want not to forget the paramedics who take you to the hospital. You can be a, a witness to them too. What I've seen over the years, once in a while, unfortunately, is I will see somebody who I know is a Christian who is seeing one of my colleagues um, in my medical group and is angry, demanding, um, just not kind, um, obviously left the Holy Spirit at the door when they walked into the exam room, um, and it is just a, a really bad testimony. So don't be that person. Now, what I'm, what I'm not suggesting is if you really need something and you feel that the doctor isn't really listening to you, um, you can point that out. You know, hey, you know, I, I really need to know what's wrong, you know, why I have this, and I don't really feel like we've tested everything we need to test. You know, you can always get a second opinion. You can change physicians if you need to. But just do it with a godly attitude. That's, that's what I would, would encourage you to do. Um, Live streaming, as, our, as our, um, facility, our abilities diminish, we all kind of found out a little bit about that this year, um, earlier on, um, but that continues, and that is a real viable option for a lot of people that can't make it here. Um, you know, Grace to, Grace to You Radio, you know, Pastor John is on every day. Um, I remember visiting my dad about five, six years ago, and he was in a nursing home, and I was walking down the hallway, and somebody had... Pastor John on the radio, and it was blaring. Um, you could I mean, it would have drowned out a 747. It was, I don't know what kind of stereo this person had, but it was, it, the whole world was hearing this, and I was just thinking, oh, this is so great. You know, I thought it was wonderful. So, um, but yeah, Grace to You Radio. And, you know, even as long as, like I said, you don't have end-stage end Alzheimer's, you, even if you're a shut-in, you can pray, you can read the Word, or listen to the Word, and you, sh you can continue to worship the Lord. Um, I know a lady who's 85, doesn't go to this church, but she loves our church. And so every Sunday, she goes to one service at her church, rushes home to listen to our service, her son is a pastor. She listens to his, his church's live stream. And then, she go, and then at 6 o'clock, she listens to our, our, um, our service uh, as well. And she, she just had an 85th birthday party. 
and the outpouring of love, not only from her family, but from her church family, for her wisdom and all the things that she had said to people that were, you know, like apples of gold and settings of silver, you know, or just just the apt word at exactly the right time that they needed because she's filling her life so much with scripture. So I, you know, that's my example. That's who I want to be like when I'm 85, if the Lord allows me to be that old. Um, it's like her. And um, 2 Corinthians 5.8, you know, eventually, you know, we're of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. Sometimes we start, uh, our suffering is so great that we just want to leave this world, and we keep asking the question. I've had a lot of patients ask me, you know, Christians will say, you know, I don't know why the Lord still has me here, but, but you just have to say, you know, the Lord knows the date of your, your, your birth and your death, and you just have to trust him even in the hardest things. Um, C.H. Spurgeon once said, when somebody is a Christian, when somebody said to a Christian minister, I suppose you're on the wrong side of 50, he said, no, thank God I am on the right side of 50, for I am 60, and I'm therefore nearer to heaven. Old age should never be looked upon with dismay by us. It should be our joy. And like the poem that um, C.T. Studd wrote many years ago, that the refrain goes that he repeated over and over in his poem, only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. So we end up where we started um, in uh, chapter 12, verse 13, about you know, the fear of the Lord, that that's what we want to do. We want to glorify him. And I also already mentioned 1 Corinthians 15, 58, but 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, it says, For I am already, the Apostle Paul said at the end of his life, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And as our own um, beloved Steve Lawson once said, you can lose your health and gain it back, you can lose your wealth and still recover it, but if you waste your time, it is lost forever. So use every moment wisely and press on. And final thought um, from Psalm 90. Um, the first verse in verse 10 is very similar to Solomon's take. Um, this is a psalm of Moses, actually. <clears throat> and he says, As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, if, or if due to strength, 80 years, yet their, their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of your, your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you, he asks. But he says, so teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90.10. So I, my prayer is for all of us that that is, that is what we desire to do is to finish well and to um, serve the Lord in any way we can based on um, where we're at um, in our lives as we age. So let's pray, and I'll, I'll be around afterwards if you want to come down and ask any questions or anything. Um, I'll be here for a while, okay? Let's pray. Lord, thank you um, for the opportunity to look into your word and um, to be encouraged that even though dark days are coming, that you are there with us, that you will strengthen us and empower us to continue to do everything that we can um, for the furtherance of the gospel. Um, thank you that we can trust you, that you will care for us, and that you never leave us or forsake us. And uh, we pray, Lord, that just that you would be glorified um, by all that we do. Give us a great day of worshiping you today and fellowship here at church. In your name we pray, amen.